0: Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential podcast, or as some of you call it, Mastering Fat Loss Naturally. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I gotta make a little confession. As I started to press record, I had this like weird desire to start singing a Neil Diamond song to you, which I totally won't do, but I'm a Neil Diamond fan. I have weird taste, because for those of you who listened to my episode last weekend, you know that I also like vanilla ice, so hey, I'm varied, I'm open-minded. Anyway, today I want to clear up some myths and misconceptions about carbohydrates. And let me first say that if you have not yet listened to my first three episodes specifically on carbohydrates, I am going to recommend strongly that you press pause and you go listen to those first, okay? And I will link to them in the show notes over at primalpotential.com. Episode 7 of the show is all about carbs and fat loss. The basics of what carbohydrates are, the right time for carbs for fat loss as well as the wrong times and why. Then episode 9 is all about carbohydrate spillover, the factors that lead to the carbohydrates you consume being converted to and stored as body fat. And then in Q&A 2, I answer all of your questions from the previous two episodes, and I talk about why different people have different carbohydrate tolerances to begin with, and what you can do to improve your carb tolerance so you can enjoy your favorite things and still burn fat. So if you have not listened to any one of those three episodes, I'm going to really, really, really strongly encourage you to do that before listening to this one, okay? Because that's going to give you the stuff you need to know for this to be impactful. Uh, Another point is, because this is the topic that I get probably the most questions about, carbohydrates, I created a carbohydrate e-course. It's self-guided, and you can find it under the Work With Me tab on PrimalPotential.com, and it goes through what I call the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. It talks about fruit and beans and oats and wheat and ketosis, carb tolerance, improving your carb tolerance, artificial sweeteners, you name it, it's there. Recipes, meal ideas. So if this is an area where you feel like you have a lot of questions and confusion and uncertainty and not knowing what the myths and facts are, definitely Check out that course. But for today, what I want to go through is 10 points about carbs that I find people are getting. Hung up on, and we're going to go through these rapid fire. And as always, guys, if there's something that I don't mention that I haven't mentioned in the previous episodes that you're unsure about, shoot me an email and let me know, and I'll make sure to address it for you because I want to make sure that you have all the tools you need to be successful in your fat loss journey, right? Because it's totally doable for all of us. It's this is this is a hundred percent doable for everybody. It's just about finding your groove, finding your rhythm, finding your answers, and going from there. So Number one is carbohydrates are not the enemy. They are not good. They are not bad. They are carbohydrates, right? But they are a slippery slope, and most people overeat carbohydrates more than fat and more than protein. So it's not that carbs are bad, it's that overeating is bad when fat loss is the goal, and a lot of people, because I've used the term overfed in a lot of recent episodes, and people will say, well, how do I know if I'm overfed? And I very simply and very respectfully, truly, I'm not trying to be like snarky or mean, very respectfully answer that by saying, look in the mirror, right? Looking in the mirror is going to tell us if we're overfed or not. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this one, but it is an important point to make that this is not about low carb or no carb, okay? Now, the truth is that fat loss is dictated by your hormones. And as I say in every episode, one of the principal hormones governing fat loss is insulin. Insulin is most significantly impacted by carbohydrate consumption. But you do not have to cut carbs completely in order to lose fat. You do not have to. you can. There's nothing wrong with that. And I would argue there's nothing unhealthy about that and we'll get to that in a minute. but they are not bad. And when people tag me like, oh, Elizabeth would be so so pleased I'm I'm low carb. I don't really care if you're low carb or no carb or slow carb or mo carb, like I just want you to see progress, right? And so carbs are not the enemy, carbs are not bad. It's just that we eat them more than other macronutrients in most cases, and we are overfed. So the most macronutrient prevalent in our diet is going to be carbohydrates. So we're just overfeeding in that arena. So you don't have to cut carbs completely in order to lose fat. Everybody with me there? That brings me to point number two. Your body does not need carbohydrates. Your body does not need carbohydrate, period. It doesn't. That doesn't mean you shouldn't eat them, but they are not required for life. People will email me, well, how do I know, you know, if I'm not eating enough carbs to like keep my body out of starvation mode? Yet those two things have nothing to do with each other. Like starvation mode or death or like becoming an emaciated skeleton and carbohydrates, eat, you know, you're not going to like go into starvation mode because you just don't have enough carbs. That's that's not real, Okay. Fat, dietary fat, is required for life. Protein is required for life. Carbohydrate is not. Now, here's where I'm going to throw you for a loop. Glucose is. Now, glucose is a sugar that is the building block of many carbohydrates, and that is required for life. But if you never ate another single carbohydrate for the rest of your life, your body can manufacture glucose from protein. It's not a big deal. It does it a lot. Fat and protein are structurally and functionally essential in your body. Carbohydrate is not. Carbohydrates provide energy, but do not play a structural or functional role in the body. You will not die, and you will not starve without carbohydrates, okay? And I feel the need, like (laughs) there's this voice in my head going, You should say, like, you're not a medical doctor. Y'all know I'm not a medical doctor, right? Okay, Just, just a girl, just a girl. All right, number three, fruits, vegetables, and beans are all carbohydrates. People get confused about this. People will say bean is a protein. Bean has protein in it, but a bean is largely a carbohydrate, okay? Fruit, carbohydrate. Vegetable, carbohydrate. Bean, carbohydrate, all right? But... This is the small stuff. This is these are the little rocks. And I think that people get into this pattern, and I was one of these people, so I I know you because I am you, right? You get hung up on the small stuff. Like, am I, am I totally screwing myself because I'm having a banana for breakfast? Can we all please agree that none of us are or were fat because of fruits, vegetables, or beans? Okay? So if you're freaking out about whether or not the banana in the morning is okay, the banana in the morning is not the cause of your weight gain, it's not the reason for your pant size, and it's most likely not the reason that you're not losing weight. I didn't get up over 300 pounds because I was eating too many apples, you know? So yes, fruit is a carbohydrate. And if we're talking about the golden rules of carbohydrates, we're going to get to in a few minutes then yeah, we're talking about fruit too. But we need to have some perspective here. So for those people that freak out about fruit or beans or even some of the heavier vegetables like squash or zucchini, yeah, you know, it's not the reason that we're overweight. It's not the reason that we can't button our pants. So let's focus on the big stuff and not on the small stuff, okay? Number four. Wheat, like I say, I said that emphasized, and I think maybe like wheat, W H E A T. Did I spell that right? Gosh, I hope so. Anyway, wheat is the most fat loss unfriendly carbohydrate around. So if your goal is fat loss, I'm going to suggest strongly that you reduce your consumption of wheat products and maybe even eliminate it, okay? Because it is. Bad news. Bad news. Wheat has a more significant impact on blood sugar and on insulin than almost any other carbohydrate. And explaining this requires a bit of a dive into the science side, which I'm a science geek, so I like that. Fun time for me. But you guys are going to remember that the building blocks of carbohydrates are sugars. And so all carbohydrates are chains of sugars. Some are short chains, some are medium chains, some are long chains, straight chains, branched chains. Are you with me? So when we're looking at wheat, 75% of the carbohydrate in wheat are these branched chains of sugar. So it's not like one long, clean, pretty chain like a line. It's like a branch with a million different branches coming off of it, and those million different branches coming off of it have millions of different branches coming off of that. And digestion is like a game of Pac-Man, and the faster it gets digested, the faster it hits the bloodstream, the faster your blood sugar rises, the more extreme the rise in the blood sugar is, okay? So if you imagine this game of Pac-Man, you have all these little Pac-Men, I wish I knew what they were called, but anyway, you got all these little guys, these enzymes that break down the carbohydrate in the wheat, and they are chewing it up, chewing it up, and the enzymes come in biting at the chain, the more surface area it is, the more quickly they can break it down. The less surface area there is, the slower they are at breaking it down. So it's like a slinky, right? And when you condense the slinky, so it's just a tiny little thing, if these enzymes are coming in, these little Pac-Mans are coming in, they don't have a ton of places to work. So it's going to take them a little longer, but if you stretch that slinky out, there's a ton of surface area, a ton of options for these little these little enzymes, these little Pac-Men to come in and break it down, and that's wheat. It's so branched that there's tons of surface area, and it gets digested super fast. The sugar hits your system super fast. It rises in your blood sugar super fast, and it requires a larger response from insulin, which turns off fat burning faster and longer. But here's the thing. When we have this fast rise in blood sugar, it hits the blood sugar really, really quick, up, we're high, we're energized, we feel good, and then we crash, Right, And when we crash, not only do we feel like garbage, low energy, I need a snack, but we're hungry and we have more cravings. So wheat is the most fat loss, unfriendly carbohydrate around. And the best way to minimize your consumption of wheat is to cut your consumption of processed foods, okay? Number five, carbohydrates are not required for performance, all right? I'm talking gym time workouts. Now, most of us are not elite performance athletes. If you're listening and you are an elite performance athlete, hey, thanks for hanging out, but I'm not talking to you here. You can fuel for an endurance event with carbohydrates, right? But you could also choose to fuel with fat and lots, actually tons of ultra marathoners are switching over to a more keto fuel style, like fat only fuel style for their training, but I digress. Honestly, I give myself a little internal high five every time I don't go down a rabbit hole, and that's totally a rabbit hole. But anyway, I'm not talking about performance athletes and like ultra endurance events here. The idea that we need to carb up before a workout or even refuel immediately after, I'm going to tell you right now. That that is something we have been conditioned to believe in large part so that we spend money on products. It's really the same thing with snacking, right? We've been sold this idea that we have to eat pre-workout and we have to eat post-workout and we have to snack every couple of hours and we don't. I mean, think back 100 years where people like scrawny and emaciated because they didn't have protein shakes and protein bars and snack packs of almonds. Yeah, no, mm -mm, they were not. In fact, they looked better than most of us do now. Just reality, right? I mean, I'm lumping myself into that. It's just true. Your body is extremely efficient. Now, I want you to pay attention to what your body needs, but for most people, we do not need to fuel before our workout or after our workout. I don't know about you. This is just Elizabeth talking about Elizabeth, right? I would like... My body to have fuel needs, and instead of downing a shake or a protein bar, I'd really love for my body to start snacking on my love handles. Just saying, eat up, don't leave anything behind. Well, leave a little something behind, but I digress. Rabbit hole, I told you. Anyway, you can eat pre workout if you. Need it. But first, find out if you need it. Just because it's what you've always done does not mean you need it. And the same is true with post-workout. Test your assumptions. Question everything. See how you feel working out on an empty stomach, right? Play around with what makes you feel best. And same thing with post-workout. And again, I'm not saying go run a marathon in an empty stomach. I'm just saying don't blindly assume that you need extra food pre- and post-workout because your trainer told you so. Maybe your trainer has different goals, right? Maybe they're trying to put on a lot of muscle and you're trying to burn fat. But regardless of what anybody tells you, including what I tell you, test your assumptions. Try it out. Understand that much of what we've been told comes from multi-billion dollar industries that want us to buy bars and shakes and realizes that we just love to be given another reason to eat more frequently. I personally eat meals that keep me satisfied. Somebody just emailed me yesterday and asked me three questions. What time of day do I work out? What do I eat before and after my workout? And what do I eat before I go on a, a leisure walk? Well, I, I'll just, just in case anybody's curious, um, and I feel a little indulgent answering this, but anyway, I usually work out in the morning just to get it over with. I do not eat beforehand, and I just eat normally afterwards. So if breakfast is bulletproof coffee, that's what I have afterwards. And I definitely don't eat anything in particular before a leisure walk because to me, that's not exercise, right? Going for a walk is just like what my body was meant to do. It's, it's not exercise. So anyway, let's move on. Number six, carbohydrates do not trigger satiety, Physically. Now, emotionally, they might make you feel more complete or more mentally satisfied, but here's what's happening physiologically. Ghrelin is the hormone that turns hunger on and satiety or fullness off, okay? Leptin turns off hunger by turning on satiety. So leptin makes us feel full, ghrelin makes us feel hungry. When you eat protein, it triggers the release of the hormone leptin, which is your satiety signal, okay? So when you eat protein, you're very likely to feel satiated pretty quickly. Think about it. How many chicken breasts or pieces of salmon could you throw down? Now, the salmon one's a good challenge. I bet I could eat quite a bit of salmon and feel pretty good. But anyway, um, when you eat fat, you release a cascade of hormones that are going to kind of prevent ghrelin from being released and ghrelin is what makes you feel hungry so both protein and fat are going to influence your hunger and satiety signals in positive ways so you don't feel hungry and you feel full all right but sugars especially fructose and fructose is in most processed foods it's also in fruit don't turn off ghrelin. So you don't get that hunger sensation turned off. That's why people, including me, can sit down and eat like a massive bowl of fruit salad and like just keep eating and keep eating, and keep eating and never really full, feel uh, like satiated or full. And that's because you're not turning on leptin, your satiety signal, or turning off ghrelin, your hunger signal, right? So you can easily overeat carbohydrates and processed foods and fruit and not feel satisfied. Number seven, and I might get some haters here, but bring it. I'm ready for it. If you do not eat fruit, now I first want to emphasize fruit is not like the demon here that's the reason you're overweight or the reason you can't lose weight, but a lot of people are saying, Well, I have to eat fruit with all my meals because otherwise I won't get the nutrients that I need. Well, that's not true. You aren't missing out on essential nutrients without fruit. Now, fruit isn't what keeps you fat, but the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients in fruit are also in vegetables. If you are eating a wide variety of vegetables, think lots of different types and colors, then you are getting those vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. So when people say, well, Elizabeth, you say that, you know, the morning isn't the best time for fruit, but I really need those vitamins and minerals. You're right. For fat loss, the morning is not the best time for fruit, okay? However, you are not going to miss out on those vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients in fruit if you were to never have fruit again, so long as you eat a wide variety of vegetables, okay? So the vegetables are going to give you those vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients, but they're going to give you less sugar and they're, generally speaking, going to have more fiber, so you're going to feel fuller for longer, all right? Number eight, carbohydrates are going to make you retain water. Every gram of carbohydrate you consume hangs on to roughly four grams of water. So if you have a moderate to low carb meal, right? I mean, not truly low, but relative to the standard American diet. Let's say you have a a meal that's 50 or 60 grams of carbs, right? If you go out to dinner and have a standard American meal out, it's a whole lot more than that. But just at 50 or 60 grams of carbs, that's your body hanging on to 200 to 240 grams roughly of water. This is also why people drop weight really fast in the first few days of a low-carb diet. That's why... Sometimes when we eat a high carb meal, we end up feeling a little puffy or maybe our rings don't fit well or your face looks a little bit more full. So carbs do lead to water retention. Every gram of carbohydrate you consume hangs on to roughly four grams of water. They're like little sponges in your body. Number nine. It's kind of a myth that cutting carbs makes you feel grumpy. And it's I guess myth isn't the right word. It's it's an easy thing to overcome. So here's the deal. Serotonin is the feel good chemical in your brain, okay? But serotonin has a hard time crossing the blood brain barrier. But the precursor to serotonin is tryptophan. Okay, tryptophan is an amino acid and it can cross the blood brain barrier easily and then become uh, or be converted to serotonin. Now, it becomes even more easy for tryptophan to cross the blood-brain barrier with the help of insulin. So when we eat a high-carb meal or when we elevate insulin, we, we kind of help tryptophan cross over into the brain, and then we have the opportunity for more serotonin. So sometimes we get that feel-good effect, right? But tryptophan can also... Uh, can also cross the blood-brain barrier with the help of exercise. So it's not like, oh, we're screwed and we're going to be depressed for the rest of our lives if we don't, eat carbohydrates. That's not it at all. There are other things that we can do to help move tryptophan across uh, the blood-brain barrier so that it can be converted to serotonin and we get that good mood stability, okay? Exercise is one of those things. But the other thing is that animal products like meat are very rich in tryptophan, So when we have more total tryptophan, then we have more of it crossing the blood-brain barrier as a percentage, right? We just have more available to move across the blood-brain barrier. And here's the other thing. While, yes, raising insulin is going to help move tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier so we get more conversion to serotonin, the feel-good chemical, we also, though, subject ourselves to the crash of a rise in blood sugar and a rise in insulin. So if we if we aren't spiking for that reason, then we avoid the crash. So we can eat more animal products and we can work out more regularly and not only have the same feel-good effects that we get from a high-carb meal, but without the crash and without the fat-storing potential. All right? Number 10, It's kind of related to um, eight and nine, how carbohydrates kind of make you retain water uh, and how cutting carbs can make some people feel grumpy. I get a lot of questions about this idea of low-carb flu, and it's not even so much about low-carb, but really cutting-carb flu. So if you're cutting out processed foods or you're cutting out simple sugars, right, and you start to feel kind of lethargic or headaches or moody... A lot of that is from dehydration. So number 10 is that dehydration can help with your carb cravings and relieve a lot of the discomfort associated with what people call low-carb flu because we think back to number eight. You do tend to dehydrate yourself when you cut carbs, because think about it, if every gram of carbs is holding on to four grams of water, roughly, you're shedding a ton of water as you eat fewer carbohydrates, and so you can really subject yourself to dehydration, and that is what makes a lot of people feel the headaches or the fatigue or the moodiness. So drink more water, and the bonus of that is that adequate hydration is required for fat burning. Remember uh, in a previous episode we talked about how fat has to be released from the cell and then it has to travel through the blood before it's entered into another cell to be burned. And for optimal blood flow of the fat to the cell where it's going to be burned, hydration really, really helps with that. So let's Kind of wrap up this episode as practical implementation by going over the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. I first want to say this is not a mandate. Like the only way to burn fat is to follow these golden rules. It's a spectrum. Any degree of improvement from where you are now is going to be helpful. So this is not an all or nothing proposition. It's about progress, right? Progress. So do not say like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to you know, stop eating my three bowls of cereal for breakfast and go right to bacon and eggs. No, man, if you just go to one bowl of cereal with one egg for breakfast, that's improvement. So don't think it's an all or nothing proposition. What I'm about to explain is the best case scenario, and you can start by making one baby step in that direction, practicing it, getting comfortable with it, and then moving on. So the four golden rules of carbs and fat loss, and these are just my golden rules that I have found to be most effective for most people, including myself. Number one is about carb timing. The best time for carbohydrate consumption for fat loss is going to be your dinner time meal. The worst time is going to be the morning time. And listen to those previous episodes for a detailed explanation of why. I'm not going to go into it here. But The first golden rule of carbs and fat loss is to have proper carb timing. Do not have your carbohydrates in the first or second meal of the day. Limit them to that last meal of the day. Number two is make sure you have proper carbohydrate quality, okay? You want to make sure that you are focusing on carbohydrates from whole food sources. That's fruit, That is uh, starchy vegetables like sweet potato or potato. If you want to do quinoa or something like that, if you're a bean eater, which I am not, it would be something like that. So this is about quality carbs instead of trashy carbs, trashy carbs coming from processed foods. Number three is going to be about carb quantity. Just because you're eating sweet potato and you feel like that is a step up from, you know a thing of Pringles, it is, but you still don't want to have four cups of sweet potatoes for optimal fat loss. Now, if you're currently having seven cups of sweet potatoes, obviously four is going to be an improvement. So remember, this is not absolute. This is about degrees of progress, but I recommend starting between a quarter cup and a half a cup at that dinnertime meal. And then lastly is carb company. Make sure you're eating carbs in the right company. And what I mean by that is don't eat with jerks. I'm totally kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. Don't eat with jerks, but that's not what I mean here. Carb company is about making sure that you don't eat carbohydrates on their own, right? You want to slow the digestive process and therefore slow their their entry into your bloodstream, slow the release of insulin by having them with fat or protein, or both. Now, what is excluded from these golden rules of carbs and fat loss is your non-starchy vegetables. They have little to no impact on blood sugar and insulin, so your non-starchy vegetables, your cruciferous vegetables, peppers, onions, have those at any time of the day. What I'm talking about with these golden rules of carbohydrates is, of course, anything processed, which I'd rather you not eat regularly anyway, But this includes fruit, this includes beans, oats, wheat, uh, anything like that. The only thing it excludes from a carbohydrate standpoint is your non-starchy vegetables. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have questions... Get on the email list, go over to primalpotential.com, get on the email list, shoot me an email, let me know, and also keep in mind the previous three episodes that I've done on carbohydrates. If you didn't listen to me starting out, shame on you, but go listen to those previous three episodes, and if you still have questions, remember that under the work with me tab, On primalpotential.com is the e-course on carbohydrate strategies for fat loss that goes into artificial sweeteners, ketosis, recipes and meal ideas, improving your carbohydrate tolerance, beans, wheat, oat, glycemic index, you name it, it's all there. So definitely check that out. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. It's always my pleasure. And until next time, stay healthy.